You're listening to another episode of the Anavivo podcast. Thank you for your time. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's happening. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Anavivo.com, the Anavivo podcast, and our YouTube channel at Anavivo.com. I am your host, Tim C. Miller, and I'm joined today in the studio by one of our regular and favored guests, Stephen Miller. How do? How do? And uh, today, we are coming to you live from the top of the penthouse suite in the Camlin Hotel in Seattle, Washington. And it's a chilly evening, but it's gorgeous out, and this is a really cool place. And there's a fire crackling behind us. Can you hear that fire? Crackle, crackle. Crackle, crackle. Yep, fire crackling behind us. And uh, we're going to be doing an episode today on several different topics, which I'm excited to get into. Stephen has uh, no idea what's coming, and that is, um, how does that make you feel? It's part part of the surprise. Part part of the surprise, yeah. So if you don't know, he is uh, very active speaking off mic and um, on mic can't get me to say anything. (laughs) All right, so we're going to start this uh, evening's show on sort of a heavy note. Are you ready? I'm ready. Gnome gnome ready? What did you say? I'm ready. You're ready. Okay. I would like you to think back to a time when you lived somewhere other than Washington. It's really deep. And... I would like you to think back on a time when all five of us were living together and describe to me a very painful memory that you had during one of those times. Hmm. It could be physical pain. It could be emotional pain. It could be mental pain. Um, Soul-touching, soul-crushing pain. Well, I I, uh, used to live in Arizona. After high school, I moved there um with a uh another friend at the time we lived together and i was working at a hotel probably about a mile and a half down the road from our apartment and i got a bicycle to make my way down to work and back because uh, i didn't have a car and to pay for an uber there would be seven dollars um each way so I got a bicycle and I would park it at the hotel and then um, probably about a month into it, uh, I got out of work and I went to unlock my bike and all the bikes on the bike rack had been stolen Yikes. and nothing was left but a bunch of cut bike chains. So <clears throat> from that day on, I Ubered to and from work um, and basically every day in my mind, I'd be thinking... Well, I'm spending the first hour of work just paying for my trips to and from work. Wait, you were getting paid $7 an hour? No, like 20, 20 something dollars an hour. But basically, you know, it's $7 each way. So $14 oh, sure. round yeah. trip yeah. plus tips. Anyways, so that's a pretty painful memory of that. But that was, that was post the five of us living together. And that was post, that was living in a different place. But. Think back in a childhood. Oh, you wanted both of those to be the same question? Yes, yeah. Oh, you Sorry, should that have specified. may have not yeah. been clear. 
Okay, so, so uh, we living all, together, the five of us, five of us lived in Maryland, in a Qu- different state, Quarter C. Qu- what? Explain that for the audience. Uh, it's a military housing installment. Quarters C. Sure, I don't remember what it was called. I was like three or four. <laughs> um, and we. This we, was two thousand and two thousand and one. How yeah. old were you? Uh, four or five. Okay. Five or six. <laughs> The numbers just go. <laughs> uh, I was in preschool. Okay, so we're we're all living together in this old white farmhouse out on the end of the base, Patuxent River, Maryland, Pax River, Maryland, and uh, it's the only place they could find for military housing for a family of five boys that are all a year apart. And so we're living. At, okay, continue. Yeah, and um, so we had this old VHS. Uh, camcorder, oh, yeah. yeah, and uh, it was huge. We would make a bunch of dork movies with them, you know. Mm-hmm. And one of them uh, was some like samurai old western movie because we had these old cap guns. A samurai western? It was weird. It was a mix of cowboys and <laughs> sword fighting and samurais. <laughs> okay, and this is a painful memory. It's You're- a painful memory. Okay, okay yeah. Continue. And um, my role as the youngest was the uh, scene clacker, you know. <laughs> oh, the guy with the yeah, cl- with the board that goes cut scene or take two. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, what you would have me do is run up to the camera who mom was filming at the time and show her scene two on a piece of paper, basically. You say you, as in me. You would have me, yeah, me, like because you were Tim, Tim, the director. I was the director. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, two two painful memories from doing that is <laughs> so one, far these sound pretty awesome. So. <laughs> <laughs> when the climax of the movie is uh, happening, there's this old gravel road that traveled behind the house and uh, the a, patrol, the perimeter road for yeah, the base. Yeah. Yep. And a semi truck or some truck is driving by, and mom, the camera camera woman turns around to film the truck oh, no. <laughs> instead of the climax of the movie. And so to this day, we, none of us remember what the climax of the movie is. because <laughs> The plot line is just gone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because all that's caught is some action's about to happen and then swivel camera to truck driving <laughs> behind us. <laughs> so is the, is the painful memory the lack of knowledge of what's about to happen or is it the poor choice from the director to to cast mom as the as the uh, cinematographer the the well you don't know what that scene was that's missing so for all we know that could have been the start of my acting career i mean if someone in hollywood had seen that and it was good enough oh but we'll never know so we'll never know that's a uh... That's yeah. true actually <laughs> yeah you're right now it's making me think back to i remember yeah we were standing out in the field uh, we've got, um, I think it's Seth is in a cowboy vest and a hat and I'm in some sort of, um, Jackie Chan esque, uh, samurai outfit and you're, you've got a cape for yeah, some reason. I wore a cape everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I wasn't in the movie. I don't know. <laughs> you were in the movie because mom, Turn the camera from us at one point, not to the truck, but back to you and zoomed in on you. And that's what did you the, do? That's the second painful part of it. Oh, okay. Continue. <laughs> Is another prime part of the movie. Mom <laughs> zooms in on me and I flash her the I love you sign language. Oh, that's so cute. And misses out on another critical story moment. <laughs> 
Wait, are you are you saying that's painful for me and us as the actors, or painful for you as like for me? Because not only did we miss that point, but then from that point on, you would show that to everyone and be like, "Look at little Stevie here, <laughs> <laughs> saying I love you to mom." Hey, that was your moment of fame. You could have done anything in that moment. I mean, talk about a selfless act. You could have. You could have used that to put a plug in. You could have used that to drop your resume. Yeah, you were smash, six years old. I mean, you were ready like yeah, to smash like buttons and hit those subscribers. But instead, you used it to show love for our mom. Yeah, and miss out on Hollywood. Sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Awesome. Well, that's a good, uh, that's a good start. I mean, that's, uh, I guess that's painful. Um, it's a good memory. I remember that place fondly. It was a pretty cool place. And now, having been back there multiple times, uh, there's an officer's club that they built out there at the end of the road, and they totally demolished Quarter C. Hmm. The uh, pecan tree, pecan trees? How dare you. <clears throat> pe- pe- pecan? <laughs> the pecan trees that were <laughs> across the street are all gone. Uh-huh. And... Um, the patrol road is still there, the perimeter road, but it goes right up to the uh, the beachhead and, and the officers' club, and it's just a big parking lot. That's now, okay. The beach was the best part, anyway. So kind of sad. Yeah. Get your shark teeth there. That's true. Yeah, the beach is still there. They've they've sort of um, scooped them out as little uh, lagoons to protect the bulkhead of the of the beach. Uh, and there's still shark's teeth. We were there just recently in February, and um, mom found a shark's teeth, a shark's tooth, which was really cool. We were there for, oh. I don't know, not that long, 10, 15 minutes maybe, and she pulled one right off the beach, which was a really cool. That's why they call it find Shark Tooth Beach. Or why we call it. I don't know anyone Pretty else sure it's that. on Google Maps. <laughs> it will be as soon as we're done with this episode. Yeah. Uh, another painful memory from <clears throat> oh we're uh, going we're still going with that quarter C. Okay. Is, uh, <laughs> we had these time. flower bushes out front by the driveway, big uh, pollen filled bushes. I don't know what kind of bushes they were, but they were big. Uh, like out by the main road before you came into the circle right driveway, our, or yeah. by the front door of the house, right by our mailbox on the main oh road. on the road. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Seth would uh, <clears throat> take me out there. He took me out there one time with a water bottle and said, "Let's catch some bees." Oh, there are lots of bees. We did that, Ben and I, for one of our merit badges. Oh, really? Yeah. So then it might have been you. No, no, no. We used um, uh, Tupperware and those cotton balls with mom's uh, fingernail polish remover. Oh, to make them sleep? Yeah, and then put pins through them on a board uh, like a biologist would. It was actually a really cool badge because, I mean, this is off topic, but now you had serial killer boards and boards of, <laughs> of bugs with really cool scientific labels and got to spread their wings out and kind of make this really cool thing. And it was neat until they started rotting and smelling because oh. we didn't know how to... Um, Formaldehyde. Is, who's the serial killer? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so you're out there with Seth with a water bottle. So Seth's like, trap it in the bottle. Okay. No lid, so trap it no. with, your, with your hand. What? <laughs> and of course, the Who? Bee, bee tries to get out. Why? You know? <laughs> oh my goodness. So by the end of it, I had... A, Swollen left hand. This is a true story. Yeah. This is recorded, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so that was a physical pain. That Sorry. was wow, wow. I remember um, in the same line of physical pain on the big tree that had the the uh, tire swing. Yeah, there Crab was apple tree. 
No. Uh, no, it wasn't a crab apple. Yeah, but there is right. a crab apple around the corner. But it was a big tree. I can't remember what kind that had a uh, tire swing on it. And in the one of the hollows at the base of the tree was a uh, wasp nest. And I think it was Seth. I, f- I feel like we use him as... Scapegoat number two. A scapegoat here. But he, uh, he did something. And maybe it was me, honestly, now that I'm looking back on it. But the bees got so mad. And we were, a lot of us were stung. Yeah. So. I can see you taking a little tinkle in the bee hole. Maybe. Stirring them up. <laughs> Something <know>. fierce. <laughs> uh, good times. All right. Well, that's a, that's a good look back into some of our past there. I want you to think back now. Second question. You've got also five boys. Uh, I don't. You, you've got four brothers. You're one of five Thank boys. You. Yep. And you're living in a different state. Pick a place. Think of a great memory now. Pick a place. Uh, the only place I remember living in a different state is Maryland. Really? Yeah. How old do you think I was in the other states? How how old do you remember when you were do one? Do you know where you were born? <laughs> you weren't born in Maryland. I was born in Texas. How long yeah. do you think we were there before we moved? You were born in ninety six. Yep. Not to say your age on Mo- the air. Move it. Moved in ninety six. <laughs> we, we, we didn't. We didn't move in ninety six. Uh, we we may have moved in ninety six. Yeah, and then where did we go? Florida. Okay. How do, old do you think I was there? Do you remember it? One and a half. <laughs> do you remember <laughs> when you were one and a half? <laughs> you don't remember Florida? No. Really? And then where did we go from there? Well, before that, we were actually in Monterey, California. Okay. Well, then even you don't worse. Remember no. That? Yeah. When I'm one now. Man. And so, and then after that, uh, after Florida. We actually came up to Marysville. Yep, I remember that. Oh, oh, so you do. Yep. Okay. But so that's not a different state, you're Tim. Right, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, well, sure. Okay, well, then it sounds like you remember <laughs> clearly two places. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marysville, Washington, and or Pax River, St. Mary's County, Maryland. Yeah, I remember in Marysville asking mom uh, because we had a neighbor who had a cool tricycle. Really oh, cool. Yeah. We lived in a cul-de-sac. Yeah, yeah. So you remember that? I remember that because at the end of the cul-de-sac, you could go into the woods, and mm-hmm. it was all the giant telephone lines mm. that went through the woods, and you could walk under them. There was a big hiking Yeah, trail and they basically. had not yet developed the back part of that whole neighborhood, so it yeah. was a lot of really cool forest. Yeah, yeah. Well, our neighbor had this cool tricycle, and uh, his parents were like, you can't ride it until you're three. And I remember <laughs> vividly asking my mom, how how old am I? He said you're almost three. I was like, Ugh. You, you asked mom <laughs> how old you yeah. were. You were only three in Marysville. Um, that's what I remember. I could be wrong. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that's also the story that you tell often of where I try to like sell you stuff and give you hot no, sauce. No, that's because that by was the Franco's. That's when we're living next to the Franco's. Yeah. No, no, yeah, no. it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I remember that very vividly <laughs> because we're in that back room. Where we all lived, and then down the hallway, immediately next door on the left is the bathroom, and then it's the parents' I room. lived downstairs in that house. M- maybe later, but at first there was a set of bunk beds in there, and it was me and you, and Seth, Ben, and Nate lived downstairs. That seems highly segregated. Why Why did Seth, Ben, and Nate live downstairs, and we you and I lived? cool and got together. <laughs> Because uh, we're the bookend brothers? Yeah. Okay, okay, that doesn't seem right. But it was that house. I 
very vividly remember that. So. so that's actually not the place where that happened. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because I remember immediately okay, going you, you, into the bathroom right next door and washing my mouth out. You tell the it was story. Horrible. The audience has no idea what we're talking. So about. Tim had um, this beautiful shop set up in our room over on Highway Twenty, right next to the Francos. In uh, in on Woodby Island. Woodby Island. Yeah. And um, the shop was called Tim's Cheapskates Shop. <laughs> Where do you think this was? Because I don't remember any other buildings, and it was the only house I remember. Tell your story, I'll, then I'll tell it. All right. And uh, in Tim's cheapskate shop, he said, you can have anything in my room you want as long as you take a shot of this homemade hot sauce that I've just concocted together. <laughs> I was also part mad scientist at the time. Yeah, so you had emptied out a bunch of these, you know those little uh, when you go on vacation and they sell like gold to you in those little glass vials? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You had a bunch of those that you had emptied out and put your homemade hot sauce into and uh, so I was like, no problem. So I took a shot and I was bawling my eyes out, (laughs) rubbing my eyes, everything else, and so I immediately went from our bedroom into the bathroom and ran water under my mouth for like an hour. And I came back crying my tears out. And you were like, uh, okay, you did it. Pick anything you want. <laughs> and you had this cool boom box in the room. <clears throat> and I was like, I want the boom box. And you're like, okay, nope, pick something else. <laughs> so I went around the room asking for everything. You had a cool flag, uh, some sports flag or something. And uh, all this other stuff. And I went by and you said, nope, nope, nope. And finally there was a conveniently placed... <laughs> a half open box of gobstoppers Ooh. <laughs> on the desk. So I said, I'll take the gobstoppers. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Interesting. So <clears throat> let me ask you some clarifying questions on that. You you remember a desk? I remember very vividly the room. A desk. You walk and a bunk in bed. the room and immediately to the right against the window is a desk. And then in the far back corner opposite of the door is the bunk bed. Yeah, And around this room with a desk and bunk beds and even a dresser? I don't remember if there was a dresser. I just remember there was a desk and bunk beds. So around that room are placed objects for sale in this scenario. To be honest, they weren't placed for sale. It was just your room. And so you just had stuff in there. You can pick whatever you want out of my room. And so, but the only thing I was letting you pick essentially was on the desk, which was the gobstoppers. Yeah. So... Interesting, because, and this is why I love podcasting, why I love episodes, because this is bringing to light a whole new memory for me. Yeah, because you burned it out of your memory. (laughs) (laughs) I I will give you that uh, something as painful as the hot sauce could definitely (laughs) definitely be more etched into your mind than it is my mind. But I vividly remember in Marysville, I had my own room. It was the first time I got my own room. And... I had I had been sentenced to my room for some reason. And so I developed this very elaborate automated system with fishing line and a bell and a bell and a radio that would turn on and boxes that would drop. Oh, no. Yeah, and you I don't remember any of that. You open the door and a weighted box full of pencils would would slide down the door on fishing line, which would then trigger a book to hit the play button on my radio, which would then play some spooky music because it was around Halloween time. 
and bells would go off, and then other things would happen, and a sheet would lift up off the bed. I think you think all that would have happened. You probably just taped a bunch of string to the walls and no, 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 said, no. this is definitely going to happen. <laughs> this actually happened because you guys all came in. I had you each line up outside the door and test it for me oh, one at a time. I don't remember anything <laughs> about Marysville except for that tricycle thing mm. and the telephone wire trail. And that's where I started in Marysville, Your the shop. Life of crime. <laughs> <laughs> the the shop no i had stuff all around and you would come in in your cape for some reason <laughs> and you would and i would uh sell stuff to you guys and uh or, or trade things for various things hey you've got this cool thing in your room i'm gonna trade you for this stuff and those little tiny tabasco bottles that you would get in like an mre or at a restaurant on vacation you know they're little tiny Tabasco, they've got green lid in the wrapped yeah. in red. That's what I would make my concoctions yeah. out yep. of. Yep. And that's where I gave that to you. Was no, no, 100% no. Or maybe I gave you the first one, and maybe you just didn't remember, and then you took another one in. Yeah, you definitely redid yeah. it at least in <laughs> uh, Highway 20. Really? Interesting. I <clears throat> specifically remember exactly everything that went down there. You kept them in a little box in the yeah. closet, Yeah, and you pulled them down, and you're like, like no, you're like I'll give you anything in Tim's cheapskate shop. <laughs> I'll take that. I don't know about all that part. And I didn't know what cheapskate meant, so I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, Maybe I, wiped, I do. <laughs> I that part of my. I remember yeah. the Marysville incident. So anyway, that's uh, that doesn't sound like a good memory. I guess the good memory was the tricycle. No, because you were almost. Did three. you ask for a good memory? <laughs> There yes. were none. If <laughs> if we rewind a little bit, you'll notice the recall the question I asked was a different place. Five oh, of us, give uh, me a good, so um, a solid. Well, you and then we went off about how you asked for an out of state thing, and you know me, I was zero <laughs> until we got here. So, um, but a good memory at that house in Highway Twenty was. Um, the back roof was low enough to the backyard. You could climb on top of it. Mm. And it had a red metal roof. Either the roof or the garage roof mm-hmm. had a red metal roof. And I felt so proud about coming to the realization that um, when we got off the roof and mom and dad asked, were you on the roof? My <laughs> hands were red and I said, you caught me red-handed. <laughs> and I thought I was the cleverest guy. <laughs> <laughs> So you were honest, yeah, but also punny. I was very punny. <laughs> You're still pretty punny, yeah. Uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's it, and and that's a good memory. Um, yeah, that was fun because there was no consequences. You know, even though the roof was extremely dangerous, it was metal, so extremely slippery. Yeah, and the back of it, although it was close to the yard, the front of it was not anywhere close to the yard, <laughs> and so if you did go off the front. Huh. Wow. All right. Well, that was a good walk back in time. This is my youngest brother, for those of you listening in. Uh, there are five of us, and we were raised to a, I've mentioned this before, uh, military family, and uh, moved around a lot and came back home to where my father grew up, uh, would be Alan Washington and his parents and so on. So it was a, a kind of a journey back in time there for us here on this conversation. So 
Thank you, Stephen. Um, next business, next order of business in this particular episode is the follow-on question and why I brought all of that up. And and this sort of sets the stage <clears throat> for what we're going to go into from this point to the remainder of the episode. If you're driving along and listening, or if you're exercising and listening, or however you choose to listen to this episode across multiple platforms. That whole first section was really the diving, the springboard into what we're about to get into, which is very abstract. Let's talk about the gravitational pull on the moon and why I hate this. You think <laughs> that it can be affected with a nuclear blast on the far side. First, the floor is yours. First, let me ask you, why does any of that matter? <laughs> and second, what do you think happens to objects in space? So first, why do you care about this? <laughs> I could, I could ask you the such same... such a dumb hypothetical. The same question. <laughs> why do you care? <laughs> if you blow up a nuke on the other side of the moon, it would force the moon closer and closer and closer to mm. us until eventually it hit us. Okay. That's true, or that's theory? That's true. Anything in space is just floating there frictionless. The moon is in our gravitational pull, but not you know, close enough to hit us ever. And then you blow it up. It's like giving it a big shove. <laughs> it's going to get closer to us and hit us. Huh. Interesting. And what was the second part of that question? I don't know, Tim. <laughs> I don't know. What's the point? I'm asking what the point is. <laughs> Uh, I guess this is a uh, this has been a topic that is um, much shorter in <laughs> discussion time than expected. So okay, well we're going to go ahead and bypass. We'll put a plug in that. If you uh, are curious more on the theoretical abstract brain that is Stephen in sci-fi, first of all, I would say read the Dune series, and then come to Steven and ask him questions. Do they blow up the moon in the Dune series? You read the... No, Ben read the Dune series. You don't remember anything, do you? <laughs> your, mind, your mind is, is shot. <laughs> All right, so we'll, go, we'll just go ahead and put a plug in that. We're going to go right into one of the reasons we are even podcasting and and have started this podcast and are doing multiple episodes and why Steven and I are doing this particularly and what it's all about. So do you want to sort of give an overview of, I guess, the whole venture? Yeah, we're getting sponsored by um, Tim's Cheapskate Store. To <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From 1996. <laughs> Um, we have both followed our dad into real estate when he was, uh, retired from the Navy, moved here and met a friend who said, you should try out real estate and he gave it a shot and he loved it. And, um, we live in such a unique area that it's kind of like a vacation retirement area. Yeah, that's true. And it's also got a mix of military, uh, movement going on. So there's lots of people coming and going. And just good for real estate. Um, so we got into that following his footsteps. And uh, we found out that we can help people better by finding an expert on uh, what they're looking for. Because so many people are looking for, I mean, the island is full of 
farmland or commercial real estate or um, vacation rentals and all these different niche uh, real estate opportunities that um, we can actually find a perfect match for each client because there's so many agents on the island and because there's so many different specific real estate niches. And, yeah, do that and do it, I guess, from there, also taking it nationwide. Yeah, we can do it the opposite direction, too, yeah, to all these military folks moving around and um, people retiring and moving to different places. We can do the opposite in the place they're moving to and help them out. So it's better than normally. Normally what you do is you'd say, hey, I'm moving. You talk to your friends about it. I'm moving. And they would recommend, oh, you should check this person out. That's who I bought from over here in Texas or over here, blah, blah. And you'd get stuck with someone who just is the general real estate agent, doesn't necessarily know about what you're looking into, vacation rentals or equestrian properties or farmland or whatever. And then you just go with the flow and try to hope it works out. Yeah, yeah, that's a good introduction into it. So if you're brand new to real estate and you've never purchased or sold real estate before, generally what happens is you start Googling it, how to purchase real estate or how to do this, or you talk to your friends and they end up through uh, the search engines or through uh, networking with people. You end up finding out that uh, theoretically you need a real estate agent, you need a lender, you need um, an inspector for your home, you need all these different things. And and then you walk through a process that has been sort of traditionalized, sort of um, come up the last many years uh, and never really changed. And a lot like, dare I say, car salesmanship or, yeah, just a not a very good experience, not a very efficient experience. Yeah, but now we have Carvana. <laughs> uh, shout out to our sponsor of the episode. <laughs> uh, that's a good uh, segue into, if you'd like to sponsor our episodes, uh, your name will be shout, shouted out. Yeah and put in all of our SEO across all of the website platforms and things like that as well. You can go to uh, our podcast homepage, Anavivo, and donate to us directly, or you can fill out an ad sponsorship package for that. And we'll, we'll sell your cars for you. And we will not sell your cars for you. <laughs> so, so real estate, so you're, you're generally, that's how you find a real estate broker, is you either, you either search engine them, and you end up with the highest paying advertiser, basically a, a real estate broker who says, yeah, I'll, I'll advertise on, on Google and that's how you find someone. Or you are referred to someone by a friend or family member who says, oh, this is who I used and you should use them too. And uh, that's generally how people find brokers or agents to, to negotiate the purchase and sale of their properties. And that has worked for many, many, many years. And back when my when our dad started this industry, that was um, almost exclusively the way to do that because they held the power, the the information, which was the power on all real estate available through the multiple listing service, the MLS that was a printed book. And you would see these little uh, free house-shaped 
stands next to the newspapers uh, that you would go get your newspaper and then open up the the little house-shaped box and pull out a real estate handbook that would have all the properties listed and printed up in there. And if things were moving too fast, you would walk into an actual brick-and-mortar business and whoever got to you there first would (laughs) basically uh, take you around and show you um, the, the available properties. And yeah, so, Tim's in the bathroom, but Stephen can help you. Exactly, yeah. You, if you didn't walk in specifying or name-dropping someone, you would be handed off to whoever was on floor, is what they say. And so uh, it's very much uh, a heavy sales, high-pressure sales business, um, again, to compare it to car salesmanship, which I, as a real estate broker, am usually not fond of, but it, it unfortunately is an a very bad experience most of the time. And uh, to make it worse, not only is it typically a negative experience in terms of how you find someone or um, get paired with someone or or even just are referred to someone or, or find them on the search engine, it's also a standard practice that most franchises use and it's the same fee. You are going to pay the same fee generally, what they call commission or what people are calling compensation, you're going to pay the same thing broker to broker or agent to agent. So why stumble into that? When you can have a haberdasher of real estate. Oh, I like that haberdasher. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, and so uh, honestly, and so that's how this all started was um, there are companies out there that will sell your data as leads and real estate agents will pay literally tens of thousands of dollars to purchase that information and then cold call you or spam you on their emails or send you physical mailers. And uh, statistically, after eight touches of those spam calls, you'll be they'll be top of mind for you. And um, and that that does work. I'm I'm not knocking those kinds of traditional real estate marketing. Um, but it's not efficient. It costs the agent thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. It's very inform, um, yeah, in- informal, in- impersonal. Um, it's unprofessional, I would say. And at the end of the day, it doesn't serve the client because Stephen, who was you were a licensed real estate broker for how many years? Thirty six years. You were a licensed real estate broker. <laughs> How, how old are you? Uh, 20, 26. You were, <laughs> let me do the math. Uh, Stephen was a licensed real estate broker for, uh, for a couple of years. And ultimately, um, what would happen is people would come in that want something. Hey, I'm a, a veteran. I'm using my VA. I'm an active duty military member. I'm using my VA and I want to buy this single family home. And Stephen is licensed to do that. But is he a specialist in that? Or... Vice versa, he's maybe he's a specialist in something, but um, but uh, the client wants to move out of town or do something different, and Stephen has to send them to someone who may not be. Yeah, or they just want someone that speaks their lingo. Like I was never in the military, and I don't know what half those terms mean, PCSing and that kind of stuff. Oh, sure, yeah, exactly. And so you just want someone that you can vibe with and understands you and understands your needs. Yeah, and you're going to pay, you as the client, are going to pay this real estate agent or broker the same, generally speaking, the same amount of money. Why settle for someone who's just licensed in that state 
great. They can do it. No, get somebody who's a specialist in what you're looking for. So, so what do we do? We've just been talking about what normally people do. Yeah, so that's the, that's the big picture of real estate, how it's been happening for years. And now that we're in the basically the 22nd century, I mean, we're so far advanced in our technology, um, the, all, of the, all of the processes have become more efficient, but the traditions are still there. So I'll give you an example. <clears throat> uh, third-party web uh, home searches, which will go unnamed but sound like pillow, um, are making it very easy for clients to search for properties. Now you don't need a real estate broker to take you around in, your, in their car and hold all that information close to their chest and, um, and potentially even lead you astray uh, and so you've got a lot of that information at your fingertips. And at the same time, the quality of the information, because you are the product, because that pillow site is free to you, that makes you the, the product. Your information is then sold to these real estate agents and brokers. And the quality of the information isn't always there. It's not the MLS. It's, it's just harvesting from the MLS for a subscription fee. And so, um, but, but still you get a lot of the same quality information and now you're back to the traditional part of looking for someone to represent you. And if there was a way that you could just go to the seller directly of that home and ask them to buy that property, if you're the buyer, or if you want to list your home and you just go right online and do that, then that would be awesome. And there are ways to do that for even on that site and for, um, different third-party sites that offer you know a flat 1% or uh, a flat fee, but are they very good? No, but but what do, what do we do? <laughs> I'm, I'm building up to that. <laughs> so anyway, there, there are ways around all of that, but really we saw this need a couple years ago and decided to step out of the representation world. We do still represent clients, um, here locally on Whidbey Island and uh, across the state. But our real passion is in teaching and in matchmaking. And so what does that look like, Stephen? Uh, like I said at the beginning, we are your <laughs> haberdasher for real estate. And um, every property is different and every person's need is different. I mean, when you are looking on the MLS, if you've ever been licensed... There's 350,000 checkboxes and search filters for things like houses with fences and houses with this much acreage or multiple car garage mm. or equestrian property or anything you know under the sun. And so every client's different and every house they want to buy or property they want to invest in is totally different. And every client themselves is different. So military uh, all the way up to you know multi-million dollar business CEOs that maybe want to talk business lingo with someone else who's in that same category. Mm-hmm. And um, so we matchmake them to someone like-minded and is an expert in the area that they're looking for so that they don't feel, you know, totally disenfranchised by the... Yeah, so they're not just walking into a, a, a franchise building and getting the first person they can run to the front desk. Or, exactly. Yeah. Or they're not just searching someone online and getting someone who just happens to pay thousands of dollars to a search engine to get their name up front. 
Yeah. I mean, those people are just trying to shove you in the first house that you're willing to buy. Right. It's a sales, it's a sales tactic. And, and this is a, um, it's important to note here that this is not anything against the real estate sales industry as a whole. There are so many good brokers, so many good agents, so many good managers out there that, that I know, that you know, that, that are across the nation that are just phenomenal uh, men and women of um, just experts in their business. And, and so generally speaking, you know, if you find someone who's just amazing at that and, and is going to put your needs first, like that's what it should all be about anyway. Unfortunately, the industry is incentivized financially by closing, not necessarily helping you find the right property. And so, yeah, so, so that's, what, that's what we do. That's where this came out of was this need for wanting to truly help people and de-incentivize the funding. So we stepped out of the sales industry. We don't get paid by you, the client. We consult with you for free. And then we're paid a referral by whoever. Whatever agent we match make you to, we get paid by that agent. And so it's free for you as the client. The agent who has a specialty in equestrian property is getting you who wants equestrian property. So they're getting, they're getting a high-quality lead, a high-quality client that, specialize, that, that wants what their specialty is. The, the client, you, are getting an agent or broker who is specialized in that, and, uh, and we get to teach and, and consult and sort of be there as a as a, um, not a mediator, but someone to bounce ideas off. I mean, especially if you're new in the real estate industry, just having someone, a professional that you can talk to that isn't charging you by the hour just to bounce ideas off and see if this strategy will work or this funding type or this way to do business or grow your portfolio. I mean, all of that. So, so that's what we do. So anavivo.com will take you to kind of the whole about page way and, and basically a way to get in contact with us. But, and that's what the podcast is for. We started that to, to kind of get through a bunch of different shenanigans and things in my mind, but also to use it as a, as a way to teach and educate and, um, and get back to the root of serving people in their real estate needs as they are moving across country and um, growing their net worth and helping their families and all of that. Yeah, so how does that tie into... Um, the moon exploding. Oh, we're back. <laughs> ah, I can always count on you to bring us full circle. So, so back to the gravitational pull phenomenon and this idea that in a vacuum, an explosion will force something in the other direction. End it. End the conversation <laughs> right there. End the conversation. <laughs> All right. So you've heard a little bit about Stephen tonight, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard a little bit about our company and our passion uh, you've heard some wild um, theoretical abstract ideas that Stephen likes to ponder in his free time. Uh, you've also heard some pain and some joys from him. Uh, we're going to be doing a couple different episodes with uh, my other brothers as well, which will be fun. And we'll be doing um, more episodes, of course, on real estate, uh, very specific real estate topics, but also general real estate topics. And you can always reach out, text or call uh, at any time and, and get your questions answered as well. I think, are we going to do maybe a live session at some point and have people call in? 
Or would that just be too dangerous? That sounds like a dangerous idea. That sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who knows? But we are, uh, we're setting this up and we're really uh, enthusiastic and, and excited to, to go forward into this next year again, just uh, teaching. This will be our third year uh, doing real estate this way. And uh, if you are an agent or a broker listening to this podcast, um, I would encourage you, especially if you're outside of our sphere, outside of our local sphere, I would encourage you to reach out to us as well uh, for uh, just making a connection and giving us an area that you and a specialty that you represent. We use our own proprietary software to research uh, real estate agent and brokers transactions and licensing and and making sure that they're a quality um, uh, agent and broker that we're giving our clients to, because that's that's the whole point of matchmaking. We want equally as much as we want the client to have a great experience and someone who specializes in that. We want the agent or broker to have uh, that skill set and to actually be successful and be doing this full time and not just on the side. And so, uh, if you are one of those agents and you're working somewhere around the U.S., uh, send us an email. Um, or a text and get a hold of us. You can find out more about us at anavivo.com. Anavivo.com, which means upward living in Latin. Oh, I never knew you knew Latin. I, I basically, very basically, oh, no Latin. <laughs> I can Google Translate too. <laughs> All right, uh, last question for the evening before we let our audience go tonight. I would like to know, and I think the the audience as well, you know, they've been listening for some time. We've got a pretty faithful fan base here, and they've heard your voice. Hi, Mom. Now, multiple times. <laughs> Obligatory shout-out to my mom, and um, <laughs> I wouldn't be here literally without you <laughs> and my dad. Uh, uh, I think the audience would like to know. You could be doing... Literally anything. I mean, out of the five of us, you're probably the best looking. Oh, thank you. You're probably um, the smartest. You were doing thank you. math wow. in your brain when the rest of us were playing worms and block dude on our on our Texas instrument calculators. You can play worms on Texas instruments. Oh, see, you missed out so much being a genius. <laughs> so you you could literally be doing anything. Instead, you're sitting here with me. Uh, granted, we are in the gorgeous Camlin, uh, one of the original skyscrapers and residential hotels of the early century Seattle. Uh, we're up here in the penthouse suite, fire crackling, massive patio, truly blessed to be here tonight. You could be anywhere, though, and doing anything. Why are you partnering with me? Well, that's a tough one. And I know this... Sounds weird because I'm looking right at you as I'm speaking <laughs> into this mic. But uh, this is a safe space. Um, you know, everybody usually says don't work with family because it causes strife, you know. Yeah. And There's then, something uh, biblical about that too. Yeah. You know, you end up in some irreparable damage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always, uh, when I started real estate, I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed the freedoms it gives. But I didn't enjoy certain aspects of it. And so when you came to me and said, hey, I'm willing to take the responsibility of the aspects you don't want as long as you do all the other aspects, you know, it was kind of a too good to give up kind Mm. of deal. Fair. And so now I can go on year-long vacations (laughs) 
and uh, I can blame all my problems on you. <laughs> That's true. And uh, yeah, it's just really been working out, and I don't have the stress of waking up, you know, every day nine to five job or whatever. I used to work night shifts, so even worse. Mm. Um, yeah for minimum pay and then not getting any fulfillment out of it. Whereas this, I feel like I'm getting genuine, genuine fulfillment out of helping people and solving problems, uh, which I really enjoy doing. And uh, the quality of life, time, life, work, life balance is really great. So yeah. Yeah. um, Every, every time I talk to someone, I always recommend they get their real estate (laughs) license. Even if you're not going to work real estate, you should always, you know, just have one. I just have one. <laughs> Do you think that might be part of the problem, though, in our industry? Is Everybody has one. The barrier to entry is so low. <laughs> well, good. That's a uh, that's um, that's a safe answer. I like that, and and it's good. Um, yeah, I think you know, real estate. Speaking on that real quick, it, it's it is a, a hard uh, makes it a hard thing in our industry because it's literally like a three week class and an exam and great. You're a real estate broker. So, and I, I keep saying agent broker. I should clarify that for the audience here. Washington state has relabeled their agents as brokers and some states have followed suit and some states still refer to them as agents or associate agents. Um, but basically they're all the same. There's a few, uh, fiduciary differences, that come into play in actual representation. Um, but uh, basically the, the barrier to entry in any of these states is incredibly low. And I know plenty of people that have failed the test. So, Well, the, the, the barrier, barrier to entry to is entry incredibly low. Is incredibly low, <laughs> so. but so is the... And, and, you know, and the consequence of failing the test is nothing. So yes, people have failed the test before. Well, but a you, couple hundred bucks. Okay, you're out a couple hundred bucks and you come back and take it again. Yeah. And you pass. Great. Well, you only get three chances until you got to redo your course. Okay, another couple hundred bucks. So the barrier to entry maybe is a little bit higher than you might think. Okay, okay. The point is it's not in any other industry. Every other industry almost is is more important. Licensed industry. Every other licensed industry is more importantly a higher barrier to entry and requires even, I mean, you think of um, electrical or anything else, requires a lot of on-the-job training before they just let you out into the field. And in the real estate world, they don't do that, which is terrifying if you're a client and you've never done this before or you're moving to a new place. You could be paired with someone, and and this is a good plug to say the youngest person there is not necessarily the youngest person in real estate. Steven, for instance, has a very handsome baby face. But he had been doing real estate for several years, and um, there were people that were just coming in from a second career, a lifetime career, and were much older than Stephen, but it was their first six months in real estate. And so there's a lot of prejudice against the young real estate, real, realtors that are um, they just look like they don't know what they're doing, but they may have been doing this much longer than the people who now this is their second career. Uh, and in the same vein, doing it for a long time does not necessarily make you good. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's kind of a terrifying. But that's that's why we vet our partner agents. Yes, so yeah, we're not sending yeah. you to some Joe Schmo. Right, first day on the job. Right. I mean, it, it, this is a great um, 
point to make is we're not incentivized. We're, we're only incentivized to send you to someone who is qualified, who uh, matches your specialty, and will help you through this process because we only get paid when that happens and when it closes. And so it's not like um, just sending you to anybody, we, it, you know, a shotgun effect out to any agent and hoping it sticks because even if we were unethical, uh, non-passionate people, this would not, not work. So, so that's good. So it, it helps in the vetting process, like Stephen mentioned, and it helps us ensure that we get you to the best in that specialty. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just a, it is a low barrier to entry. And so you kind of get stuck with everybody. So you say you recommend everyone to kind of get their, their license. Um, but I would say maybe don't get your license unless you're truly. I mean, if you're like, you know, wanting to do this, stay at home parent and your spouse is the uh, breadwinner, get your license, you know, I guess that that's going to be our next episode because we need to talk about the real estate license as a whole and the, the whole process, because there's a lot of catches to that, that people I've, I've heard so many people, one, get their license like that to help their mom sell their home and then never do real estate again. And I've heard a lot of people that get their license and say, man, I should get my license and, and I'm going to do it because it's the easiest gig in the industry and it makes so much money. And uh, they drop out in the first year, two yeah. years, three years. Well, so, what cost was it to them? A couple hundred bucks? No, that's my point. We need to do a separate, separate episode on this because how you actually do real estate costs you tons of money to franchises, which kind of is a whole separate topic oh. of the industry. Well, we're hitting the one hour mark. So, so we're going to, yeah, we're going to, we're going to wrap this up here. Thank you so much, uh, everyone for tuning in tonight and, uh, or tonight for us and whatever time you're listening. And, um, we'll see you again, Stephen. You want to, yeah, make sure you, uh, check us out on anavivo.com, A-N-A-V-I-V-O.com or living on com, And then, uh, you can always follow our YouTube channel too, Anna Vivo, on YouTube. So, thanks. Thank you, guys. All right, that's it. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Anavivo podcast. We welcome your feedback and ideas. You can learn more about us by simply Googling the word Anavivo. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. I am a licensed real estate broker with Compass Real Estate and a nationwide real estate matchmaker. We consult with you for free, find and vet the right real estate professional that specializes in the area and niche you need, are paid by that professional, and they get clients like yourself who want and need their unique specialty or winning track record. If you or someone you know is in the market to buy or sell real estate anywhere in the U.S., don't simply web search the highest paying advertiser. Let us use our licensed experience to find and vet the real and best professional for you. It costs you nothing but a phone call or email with me, and it saved my clients financially and emotionally. I'd be honored to serve and you can reach me direct by email at tim.c.miller at outlook.com. And as always, 
To God be the glory.